0: this computer hello this is jesus tv in the jesus verse not the metaverse but we're thankful for the metaverse because we can ride upon its shoulders um so we um are on the shoulders of giants these big tall giants and um anyhow that's how i view it in my world i've got this little bubble that i create called my jesus greg world i believe that jesus is creating that thing and it protects me it makes me comfortable thinking that jesus is always with me um and i understand if other people don't get it oh greg lives in his own little world it ain't a little world if anybody comes to my world like okay greg lives in his big old huge yeah it's jesus is really turning this this um this uh what's it called mansion approximation so you know most of y'all are going to get a mansion up in heaven that's awesome jesus says you want one on earth uh, do I? And he says, You do. And so I'm building this huge, and he's building it. So Jesus is um, building that world. But yes, yeah, a sphere. Go ahead, Emily. Um, she's speaking.
1: No, I'm talking to my kids. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, okay. But before we came on, uh, I was talking with Jonathan what Jesus had been, when I woke up this morning, he was talking about bubbles uh greg lived in his own little bubble (laughs) not little um and that everybody does that there's um some people have like a sports bubble and if you talk to them it's like sports 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 and god wants me to have compassion you see what they're doing greg i mean you may not be interested in that very much and i I do have a little bit of sports in my bubble but not much um but he says they're seeking comfort that's what i created the earth so it would be more comfortable rather than outer space being able to come in and fry you guys or freeze you to death so I created this this sphere this bubble you guys all live in a bubble and then when you get down there on earth you're going to find you have these other bubbles um, one's called a home bubble so Emily's got this home and she's continually turning it into this awesome bubble um, she's out on her porch today and that's part of her bubble Um, and, and it's different than the neighbor's bubble. She'd be surprised if they came over and just started eating their, their breakfast. They think, uh, this is not your bubble or what we call land. And so we have these bubbles, um, personal property bubbles and so forth, but we can also have those intellectually. So if you start talking to little kids who have a a bubble of innocence, (laughs) you start dumping on them grown-up stuff. Well, that's kind of an inv- invasion of their bubble, like somebody invading um, Emily's space. And and sometimes we live in a, in a collective bubble, United States of America, where that happens, where people say, "Oh, kids need to know this." You're like, "My kids don't need to." So different people have different bubbles, um, and and sometimes it's a complaint by others. Oh, you Mormons, you just come to Utah and then you'll create your little bubbles. You won't let um, my kids play your kids. No, because we're trying to keep a bubble, um, uh, and but that's a negotiated bubble for most LDS. Honestly, like, oh, like my, my kids can play with your kids. Well, good, because my kids are going to watch some um, X-rated movies. Well, I don't want that for my kids. Um, if that's what you guys do, and so then we try to have these protective bubbles. And I'm just using the extreme example, but no R-rated. Absolutely, that was um, that's a negotiated thing where some some parents um, come from a different religious tradition and like there's nothing wrong with watching Shawshank Redemption when you're 10 years old. And I'd be like, I actually agree. That's PG, but I re-rate films. So that's a different thing. Jesus has me re-rate the MPAA films, but other Mormons might like, Mm-mm, no, I'm, my kids can play at the park and so forth. But I want to know what they're doing. Oh, that person has a, a fastidiousness about their bubble. Oh, I've got to keep them all safe. Got to keep them separated. And there's naturally going to be people who have opinions about that kind of thing. and, and So the, the Utah bubble, we're like weirdos sometimes, because other states are like, oh, lighten up, have some marijuana, okay, whatever. Geez, it's not going to kill you. You're not going to hell because you have marijuana. And so Utah's still got this bubble, like no marijuana, no gambling. And then it's kind of funny to people based on, on the bubble. But I'm going to end this little intro I And Jesus, you know, like, why is he talking to me about bubbles? Because he's building with me a bubble, a Jesus bubble. And he wants me to respect other people's bubbles that are less Jesus-y, that, that they're not always talking to Christ, preaching to Christ, prophesying to Christ. They do more like I used to do. Like, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't want to hear Jesus classic rock, Greg. I want to hear, if I'm going to hear classic rock, I want to hear pure, unadulterated classic rock. And I totally get it like in their sphere. So um, I'm going to meet with a guy tomorrow, and he likes Jesus Classic Rock, so that's what we're going to be focused on. But if I was meeting with some other construction workers and they started playing Sweet Home Alabama, I'm not going to insist. No, it's Sweet Home Jesus. That's the only one I can listen to. I don't do that kind of assistance when I'm out, but but that's what I do in my world. If you like personally, Greg, when you listen to uh, Alabama, um, I mean, Sweet Home Alabama, I only like the Jesus version, I mean, because I, like, I, like, I like both versions. So I just like that more. And so, but that's what you can do in your own private bubble. And so my wife um, has accused me, you live in your, your little bubble. And she's, I told her this morning, that's what Jesus said. He says, yeah, tell her she's so right. And that she needs to build her bubble too with me. And she is, um, <laughs> I'm, I, I could show evidence um, that she is, and she knows that. But sometimes when you're living in a bubble, you're less responsive to other people. So when you like get born again, like you literally died, you sold your soul to Jesus, there's going to be obligations that come with that. Just like if you sold your soul to the devil, you can't just like, oh, I sold my soul to the devil. I don't have to do anything he says. No, no, no. That's not how it works. If you're working with a God, you're going to have obligations. And that's going to be kind of complicated because if you sold your soul to the devil and your wife didn't, she might not like some of the stuff you're doing. And if she sold her soul to the, the, the Jesus, she might get all religious on you. Oh, I'm going to church. Just letting you know I'm going to church. Why do we have to talk about church on Sunday? And so these bubbles can, can have problems. And so, okay, that's enough. You guys got it. There's well, I, my... just,
1: I was going to say, Greg, there's like a weird crackle going on with your audio. Oh. And I don't know if it's like not in right. Like it just keeps crackling. Like usually you have very, very clear audio.
0: Okay. Let me think, how do I do that? Like,
1: so like I can hear every time you move, it's not like, a. it sounds like the jack's not plugged in tight or that you have a short in your
2: oh. audio key.
1: That's what it sounds, you know, like a speaker dying. No, or do you hear that, Jonathan? I just thought you would want to know.
2: I don't know if this is it, but it, is it, is your mic on your cord because it may be rubbing against your- It's
0: um. It's not, but let me- Okay. I thought this way. Is it less crackling? Crackly? Am I crackling? Is oh, my... you're
1: not crackling anymore. So oh. it must have been some. Maybe it was your mic rubbing on something, yeah, but I, I just can... thought you'd want to know. No, That's
0: all. I, no, I would. I, I, I... Usually I live in a bubble, even when I'm around other people. No, it's fine. I don't care if anybody can hear me. That's how I do Jesus TV. As long as Jesus can hear me, I don't care if Emily can hear me. Greg, you're in the room with humans. You're actually trying to make a point. Oh, that's true. That's um. So I'm unkind sometimes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Glad we got it fixed. Any bubble thoughts, or or we can go to Jonathan's homeless. That all the um. Um,
1: I actually really liked, sorry, I'm just walking around while I'm talking. Uh, I actually really liked the bubble idea. At first, I you always bring up stuff, and I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> um, but then as the more you talk, I'm like, oh, I think what it is, is my brain works so very differently when you bring up stuff. I'm like, I don't get it. And then, um, but then eventually I do get it. But, uh, so I was thinking about that. I like that. I like the idea of letting everyone kind of have their bubble. Like you said, some people don't want to believe in Jesus and you know, you got to be okay with that. I've got to be okay with that. And it's okay to let them. And that's something I've been, and we've talked about that actually a couple of times. And if people want to believe in Jesus or want to believe in things that I think are totally crazy, you know, it's again, it's not up to me to burst their bubble, I guess you say, right? It's like, you just, it's okay to just let people be and to let them learn. I'm trying to learn that myself, I'm trying to let go of a micromanaging and control. Those are those are hard things for me to let go of. But um but yeah, I like that idea. I mean, and then Jonathan, he's going to tell us about the homelessness bubble. And and that idea.
2: Okay. Okay. It looks like I'm unmuted. So before I go into that, I'll say something about a bubble and then I'll start. So, um, had a couple thoughts while Greg was talking. Um, okay. So we are preserved by a kind of framework. So we'll call that for the sake of this episode, like a bubble. And, um, I heard Jordan Peterson say once that being in between frameworks of belief in between them, uh, lies insanity. And, um, that was, I, I was surprised to hear him say that because I had had that very thought that it was like, I, what kind of happened to me in my life is that I, it felt like something reached down and plucked me out of my framework and once I was out and, and and once I was out of the framework it was like I had I had kind of a few new moorings and few new ideas but not enough to be a full framework and so here I am hanging in limbo between these two and and uh, I remember what Jordan said was that That's why most people, when they lose a framework of belief, scramble to find another one as quickly as they can, because in between, you're really in kind of a place of insanity, because you can't, you base your decisions, you create a life, okay? So, like, like you you create a life based upon that framework, or you could, as Greg's calling it, like, based upon the bubble that you had. So like, for example, if I have the bubble that says that it's all up to me, I had a good friend who said when he was five years old, he went to kindergarten for the first time, the first day, and at the end of the day, his parents, um, something happened, and they failed to pick him up. So it's his first day of school. He's five years old. And he, um, he's waiting, he's waiting, he goes, talks to the teacher, you know, nobody's there, you know, and, and this was way back, this was probably the 60s, he's older, so, you know, he, they were a lot more loose about things back then with kids, they would have been freaking out in our time, you know, but, uh, um, make it short. He was standing, he was standing on the street corner and he thought to himself. And he says, he says, I found words for it since, but the basic idea that came to his mind was, well, if it's going to be, then it's up to me. And he said that idea. And so he just decided, it's like, okay, where am I at? I think home's this way. And he just made his way home. And um, his whole life, he's basically built his life upon if it's going to be it's up to me so there's a bubble right and that preserves him because it's a it's a it's a world in which he lives and that's like the boundaries of his world well if something's going to happen in my life if i want something to be better if i want something to change i've got to it's got to be up to me so now what would happen if like you plucked that framework if you took that away from him and it's like And say, for example, he could no longer perform in the way that he had before. Well, now he would be in a world that was kind of insane because maybe he's trying to make things happen, but he's not strong enough. He's got a sickness. He's got some sort of something in his life that makes it so that his old bubble, now you something's piercing the bubble, you know, it's like, and so that's you know, that was kind of what went through my mind. And that's, I could say that's kind of what happened to me. It was like many things changed, but one of the things that changed is I went from, if it's going to be, it's up to me to, if it's going to be, it's got to be up to some superpower beyond me because I am no longer functioning like I used to. And so um, I guess that does lead into talking about the homeless thing. We have a bubble in our, in our world, today and I thought a lot about this because I went on kind of a tirade for about a a uh, week or two, not a tirade, kind of a rant um, wasn't angry in my rant. I was just it was on my mind and that was what I was writing about for about a week thinking about housing. and we have a bubble and the bubble that we live in, um, one of the struggles with our bubble is that it was it's been created by people with ulterior motives something I haven't thought about a lot in my life. My my dad talked about it when I was a kid. He talked about the, I was kind of spoon fed conspiracy theories. <laughs> now it's like I'm, I'm in my late forties and I'm looking around and it's not theory anymore. It's all fact. It's like, it's like, oh, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. You know, but when I was a kid, th- these were wild ideas. You know, I'd mention them to my friends at school and, and they'd be like, um, you're crazy. You know, you're, you're, you know, it's like, I, I've quickly learned, like, I don't talk about the things at school that my dad talks about at home. <laughs> so we had a bubble, right? We had a bubble. So, um, but long story short, so going back to, to, to this thing of, of uh, the idea of a home. So, so we have a bubble that's kind of been created. Um, but the problem is, is that, is that there've been people who've thought, well, you know, um, we could create a world that would serve us. And, um, and so, so for example, like there's, there's, we think about like one of the key things that creates security that creates a kind of bubble, your own little world is having a home. It's pretty important. And so, you know, it's like, we had somebody that came along years ago, a number of people, and they said, we'll take care of that. And the mortgage was introduced and it, and it worked. It was kind of cool because it was like, you get newly married and, um, and it's like, you know, without all the scratching and and struggles and, you know, you got to live in a cabin for a while and then you got to add on to the cabin and, you know, you're really scraping by and you slowly etch out a home. It's like, we had this cool thing. It's like, no, you can have it today. And, you know, and it's like, it's like, wow, it's pretty cool. So we live in a world um, where housing is like one of the big chips on the table. Greg and I were talking about this earlier this week. Like if we were at Vegas and there was a bunch of big players, people who kind of call the shots, financially in the financial world what would be on the table what would be the chips it's like well there'd be a few things like there's oil there's housing there's um agriculture
0: yep
2: um there's m- medicine medicine um there's these are like big chip things and the people who 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 are in the most power with regards to these things Um, these are the things, these are the chips they'd have out in front of them. And so, so what do you do? It's like, and I realized I, 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 in the last week or so after I wrote a bunch of those, I thought to myself, Jonathan, what are you saying? Are you talking to the world? Are you, are you suggesting a new way of, you know, that, you know, like the world should change. And I kind of had a realization within myself that I was like, and i wrote a poem about it it's one of the ones about a week and a half ago i said no actually i don't think so i don't think i'm really talking to the world like i am not suggesting I, i'm like what do you think john you think that you're going to change you know the structure of housing this is one of the big chips on the table <laughs> like you know people way more powerful than you you know are are kind of like and and the, one of the problems with frameworks of belief is that you come to believe that you need certain things it's like that's one of our big problems is it's like it's like well what are you going to do about housing if you don't go along with the structure that's given you it's like well you 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 become homeless you know if you don't play the game it's like it's like you know and i i didn't decide at one point i'm not going to play the game uh, you know ah uh, i just you know i think this you know this housing thing is like no i just broke <laughs> And I ended up there, and um, and what I ended up realizing is that I think God was leading me there all along. That's what people would say I'm probably crazy about, is that I really believe that. Wow, this is I'm so grateful for this place I found because. Um, but the point being is, I realized this about a week and a half ago. I don't think I'm talking to the world. Well, who are you? T- and I had to ask myself. Well, who am I talking to? And I realized. Oh, I'm talking to those who will forsake the world. So there's something coming, right? That's the idea is it's like when you have an idea that's kind of early, it's like. The conditions aren't even there, like, but they're getting close. It's like the median house price is a half a million dollars right now. Half a million dollars is the median house price. Choose a podunk town in the middle of nowhere and go to get a house. Well, then you might really be lucky and get one for 300,000, you know, but now you've got to commute to work somewhere, you know, And, and of course there's telecommuting now. So maybe you can do it. You can make it work, but we're quickly approaching the place where it's like some people will look at it and be like, it's like, okay, I can choose the world's way. And I can buy into this system or, you know, it's like, I can, I can forsake the world. I can forsake everything that the world is offering me. And it's like, I want to make really clear. It's like, you know, is, you know, am I saying there's anything wrong with what people have chosen to go get a mortgage or anything? No, not really. I, I, I did it. I did it a couple of times. You know, I had a couple mortgages. It's like, nope, it's fine. It's just that um, at a certain point. So, at a certain point, when when there's ulterior motives, what will happen is it'll just become crazy. It's like it's like it gets to this point where um, it gets to this point where, and I'll, I'll, I'm quickly coming to a point, and then I'll, I'll turn back for thoughts for, from you guys. Um, it quickly comes to a point where basically it makes no more sense. It's like. It's like, really? Okay, so to have a house, I need to spend half a million dollars, pay for the home two to three times because of compound interest, you know, buy into this whole great big thing. And, now, and then when does it stop? Maybe at half a million, it stops for some people. At some people, it becomes 750000 What happens when the median house price is a million dollars? At that point, you start having people go, I think I'd rather be homeless I think I'd rather be homeless, but then you have another struggle. It's like homelessness is not enough. And this was, I came to this this week and this is the point I think I want to come to that. I want to then pass it back to you guys and get your thoughts. What I really thought is it's like, for me, it's not about tiny houses. It's not about living in a van or an RV or living in weird places like out on BLM land and stuff like that. It's just, I've just done that out of necessity. What I really think that I found is that I found a home in Jesus Christ. I have found a home in Jesus Christ. And if tomorrow he told me to go get a mortgage, I'd do it. If tomorrow he told me, you know, if if he gave me half a million dollars, you know, and he said, just go buy a house. It's like, really? You're going to spend every bit of this $500,000? Of course, I'd have taxes. He'd have to give me a million but if he gave me a million, I'd pay half of it in taxes. And then if he said, go, go, um, go spend the rest on a house, I'd, I'd be I'd kind of like, actually, I wouldn't, I'd be totally okay with it. And I kind of wonder if that's, that's a better place for this whole conversation to go. And it, maybe that's where we all need to be pointing. And it's like, maybe someone listening, they, you know, they're an Allah person or whatever. It's like, well, God will bring that all together in time. But But for me, I have a home in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter for me if it's a concentration camp. It doesn't matter if my last room is a gas chamber. It's like, because I will go where he tells me to go. Because I believe, like Greg does, that he's talking to me. And like Emily does, that he's talking to me. And I hear him wrong sometimes. I don't always get it right. But I love him with all my heart with all my soul. And once you find that, it doesn't matter whether it's a tarp out under a tree, because it's enough. You have a home. And I'll turn it back to your guys' thoughts. So.
0: What you paint, Emily, do you have any comments about Jonathan? Then you can tell us about what you're painting.
1: Um. No, I'm just listening, and I'm just. It takes me a while to digest things a little bit, so um, no, I'm just listening and.
0: Tell us about your painting, then. Then I'm I'll make a few like comments. I have.
1: A little painting. Um, this is just one I started a couple weeks ago, and I'm just. Um. Yeah, I'm just sanding it. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get some more interesting things in my artwork, so I have. My phone I, had, I cannot find any of my phone holders, as you can tell. Um, So this is a little head that I 3D printed to help me get some like light and shadows. So I don't make it look exactly like that, but I'm just trying to get some like different angles and different lights and shadows. So right now, I'm just adjusting the light and shadow on here. And it's still very much my thing, but I'm just clarifying it a little, and I'm just lightening. Well, it's kind of like um, one of the things, I don't remember exactly what it was, but what John Jonathan was talking earlier and I was just, you know, we just kind of have to scrub away um, to find Jesus. And sometimes, you know, finding that home in Jesus is just, I don't, I don't know how I'm trying to phrase this. I don't, I can't think of the right words right now. Anyways, the whole thought is I'm removing things to find Jesus is what I've been doing is sanding and then I'm going to start adding more things so it's kind of like I go back and forth between messes, trying to find a form. Um, and I think that can really relate to religiously, oh, yeah, like Jonathan was talking earlier, like where you lose your framework and you don't know you don't know where you belong. and and that's kind of I think that's kind of the state of this painting right now and the state of my mind and and me is just, you know, I lose a framework and I'm trying to figure out where I belong, what I want to do, you know, what should it look like? do i do I make Jesus what everyone says Jesus should look like? You know, or am I painting like my Jesus? You know, and so there's that whole idea, too. You know, um, does Jesus have to be what everyone thinks he has to be? You know, and so I just want to keep listening, though, to the whole, this whole concept. I'm just listening. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So um, I think if I have any comments, what you're talking about, Jonathan. um, Yeah, I that's where Jesus has taken me is um, the uh, pillow song song I sing every morning. The last verse is Jesus, our only joy be thou as thou our prize will be Jesus be thou our glory now and through eternity. And so um, what I've been doing since 2015, it would be called um, going all in or going deeper. I call it getting more Jesus. That's what Jesus calls it as well. And um, it's a process, kind of like what Emily's talking about, of repentance and addition. So um, Jesus has emphasized that in my life, that a lot of what you'll be doing, Greg, is just removing stuff from your life. So there are certain things that you do, and I will prompt you to stop doing them. And then, of course, I won't. And then he'll prompt me again and again. And then he'll, um, he'll start making me realize that I'm carrying a weight um that i don't need to carry and then realize that and then i'll have to cry out because I, I don't know how to lose this i don't know how to get rid of this jesus and that's where he wants me um and uh, what i now understand more deeply uh is would be the resolve between um uh this works in faith uh, that Um, Sometimes people, I I served a mission in Oklahoma, and so there's some um, Christians who view Mormons as being very works oriented, that like we we work our way to heaven, and we don't have a real appreciation of God's grace, and, and that would be generally true. Uh, the the pendulum swinging now and doctrinally is not true, (laughs) but, but um, culturally, yeah, that, that, that would be true. I'd say, yeah, that's true that we, we have had a heavy emphasis on works. You need to do this then this. If you're um, you know, if you love Jesus, you'll keep his commandments. And then the, um, Evangelicals, we um, and and other Protestants, we might misjudge them and think all oh, they, they they just think that all you have to do is just say I believe in Jesus. Now we're done. I do whatever I want to do, um, and that's a misread of them as well. Their doctrine, although although there are amongst them, uh, this was true even more when I was on my mission back in the eighties. where That was their strong emphasis. They're just trying to appreciate how unseemingly gracious God is, which he is. It's like, he has way more grace than we would as um, mortal gods. Um, And so how do you resolve the two of those? Um, And my wife and I were talking about that this morning. And I said, um, Jesus has me resolve that. I think if I had a conversation where you had both LDS and Christians trying to understand one another, I'd say, I think this is the thing. Um, All of us in this room understand that his commandments are too high; that we're all going to fail um, in keeping his commandments. So we can't work our way to heaven. Uh, that because um, he's already set the the bar so high, like you've got to um, do these things that are just impossible for humans to do. And both both groups would understand that's true. Um, and but both groups would also understand that what your requirement is, is to try. So um, everyone is to try. And Jesus tells me, try your broken best, Greg. That's what he requires. He, he, he doesn't say, keep my commandments in that sense. He's, just, he, to me, you know, he's, he's explained what that means. As a mortal, I expect you to try and try and try and try. Um, meaning, don't really worry about, the the accomplishment, uh, accomplishments come through trying, but you'll need my grace because um, I only got twenty years left. I'm not. I can't keep all those commandments. I can't adjust who I am that fast. God can. I mean, he wants to turn me into a god or something. Yeah, go ahead, God. But he doesn't want to. Nor other mortals. He's okay with us dying with things that we're working on, trying to become a better Christian and. Uh, and we're not there. And, and so you just die like that. But what, you, what he wants us to do is die trying <laughs> um, to make promises to him and then die trying. Um, so when, when you die trying, you'll, that, that same spirit that you're possessed by, well, I'm going to try to be a better person. I'm going to try to talk nicer, try to be a little kinder, try to keep these dirty thoughts out of my head. That's all he requires, and that's where I think the resolve would be. If I had that group, if there's any hope of resolve between that, you guys are all about works, you guys are all about grace. It's like, what if it was resol- resolved and we all just try? And that would be the best resolve I know, um, uh, or at least I believe, because that is um, for me. Because otherwise, um, honestly, uh, if Jesus required me to um if it was all about works like oh i'm sorry i can't worship you why because if you're going to micromanage me like this i can't i just can't do it and jesus says, i know <laughs> and i'm not going to greg so he's so kind so forgiving he's like the best boss um does he still require stuff of you uh-huh what does he require of you that i try well sometimes just just trying is not going to be enough greg it is with Jesus, but you're right. I will lose a job. So like on, on earth, Emily might fire me if I'm not doing a good enough job. She's like, you're fired, but Jesus won't fire me. He's like, no, you don't get to get fired. You're just, you just go across the street and say, Hey, do you guys need some um, limbs to, you know, your yard raked or anything? Cause he's like, I, I don't, it's not all about Emily. It's about you trying to do your best. And so, That is a good spirit. That's one I I can worship a God like that. You just require me to try. What if I'm tired? Well, then just try slow. (laughs) And so that's what he requires. When I wake up um, from my Jesus nap, I feel like just staying another two hours or three hours or waiting through the whole night. But that's not what he calls me to. He says, go slow, Greg. So um, usually a boss doesn't say, go slow. Hey, Muller, slow down. But he does because he says the, the key word here is go, Greg. So I go. And next thing you know, I'm doing work that a 20-year-old finds hard to do because I did go and your body starts waking up and you start moving. And so that's that's a more hopeful place to be. And so that's the bubble that I'm trying to create around myself is a bubble where I believe Jesus operates differently than the world, that the world will run soon out of patience with me jesus won't as long as i'm trying (laughs) and then if i stop trying that's that's fine too because then all he'll do is bless me with some beautiful tribulation uh oh don't get up greg yeah stay in bed let's see how that works see how that goes with your family are we gonna eat today daddy no why (laughs) because i'm just gonna not go and and so that that would be a form of tribulation and and I have that tribulation sometimes and um, you're doing all this Jesus stuff. I'm trying. And um, yeah, anyways, trying, that's it. That's the, that's the big thing for me. The resolve. Um, It's a gospel of try. That's what I tell my kids. I, I, cause that's what they hear from me. I never heard that at church, but I know it was underlying that. No, you just got to try, just try. Uh, when you take the sacrament, tell Jesus you're going to keep all his commandments. Hold oh, that, isn't that a lie? <laughs> going to keep all your commandments? It's kind of like a lie, but you, you, you got to try. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to try to keep all your commandments. And people would be uncomfortable with that language. But that's really what I, when I take the sacrament, I'm like, can you forgive me all of my sins, every single one of them? And I'll promise that I'll keep all your commandments sometime, you know, with your help. And so forth. So there's conditions of my mortality when I make that promise. And that's what he expects. So that's, so yeah, I, I over promise with Jesus. Some people would say, but Jesus and I have an understanding, you know, when I say I'm going to keep all your commandments, that's like, you know, it's conditional. If you help me, if you possess me enough. um, But he says, no, just try. You can come take the sacrament again. I'll wash your sins all the way. (laughs) Be like telling your mom, I promise I'll keep my clothes clean. You know, you're a, a, a six-year-old running out to play with your friends. No, I promise I won't. I'm, I'm not going to play in the mud. Um, but every time that six-year-old comes back, just messy. And the mama says, well, that's fine. We can clean that up <laughs> next time. Now you are going to keep your clothes clean? Yes, I am. And the mama is happy because that kid, she looks outside. There's a mud puddle. About ready to jump in it, and like, oh no, I'm gonna go around that. So Jesus is happy when I like, oh, I, I want to jump in that mud puddle. I want to go roll around in that sin, I'm like, mm, okay, I'm just gonna put a little bit on me. There we go. Jesus is happy. He, he tried. Yeah, but look, he still splashed. He got got some sin on his on his um, legs. Yep, and he'll have to get a washing. And um, and you yeah, enough of that. And i uh, turn it over.
1: So I'm
2: waiting for you to finish your story. I'm still hanging out here. You want to hear some more of the story? Yeah,
1: let's hear it.
2: OK. Well, there's a lot of stories, so I'll just have to pick something. Probably start in the middle somewhere. Um, stories. Stories, plural, probably. Maybe I'll just I just need to pick a story. Um, You know there's there's a little one that was in my mind just for a second there um about a person i i met um i was um wasn't on one of the trips it was um when i was in arizona um I was driving down the road one day and um, I was headed. I worked in a town called Parker, Arizona, and um, I lived in Quartzsite, Arizona, which is about 40 minutes south of Parker, but I had a company vehicle that I drove back and forth to work. I worked for a, I worked for a mortuary, and uh, I uh, I often... Um sometimes you'd see people there's a lot of homeless people down there especially during the winter and um sometimes you'd see them walking that road back and forth to Parker which is really weird because it's just desert right it's just the Arizona desert so it's like and you don't quite know because there's encampments along the road and stuff you don't know how far they're walking some of them will be hitchhiking, but I kind of just would not think about them because I was always driving the company vehicle. And um, so I couldn't, didn't feel comfortable picking him up in the company vehicle to give him a ride. Um, but one day I was, um, I was driving north to Parker and I, um, I saw a man walking down the road uh, one of these homeless people, obviously really disheveled, dirty, kind of ragged clothes, um, shoes kind of falling off his feet almost. And, um, and I, uh, and he was coming on the opposite side of the road towards me. And, um, It was a hot day it was starting to get warm it wasn't summer yet i don't think so it was he wasn't out in the heat heat but it was a little bit warm and um and he had a cardboard sign up um and so that the people coming towards him could see it um and
0: Um just,
2: just gotta respond to text. Just give me a second. So um he was uh he was headed down the road. I may have to respond to another text in a second. And he had a sign, and it had one word. It said water. And, um, and it just, like, pierced my heart um, because he wasn't asking for money. He wasn't asking for... He was just traveling this long stretch from Parker to Quartzite. And um, I figured he probably had a few of these signs So he could ask for what he needed along the way, Um, but he, um, I'm not sure if you can see me now, Um, just a second, I gotta respond to the text. So anyways, he, um, and he probably had a few signs, you know, just to say what he needed. And so I, Pulled over, flipped around, came back, found him and uh, gave him some water. And um, And I got talking to him and asking him, so where, so where are you going? And I think what he said, if I remember right, yeah, I remember he said, I'm going to Phoenix. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, you're walking to Phoenix. So Phoenix is another two hours past quartzite. So he's still, you know, hundred and 200 miles um, from his destination. And I asked him, well, Where are you coming from? And he said, um, I can't remember where he said, but it was um, he had hit the last leg of his journey had been from uh, from Las Vegas. And before that, um, he told me where he was from, but it was some somewhere, somewhere back east, and he he he'd walked like from back east, and um, and he had this little like suitcase that you know with the wheels on it that you kind of pull behind you if I remember right, and so he's like pulling this thing behind him on the side of the road, and um, he was one of these people that obviously it appeared had some mental health problems. Um, and I sat, I just talked to him for a while and, and I'm talking to him and his, his face is like all blistered and he's got, like, I'm looking at his shoes and he's got, um, he's got, uh, these shoes that are almost like fallen off of his feet. And, um, and I talked to him for a while and, um, I was just really moved. Um, He said, I had a girlfriend at one time. He said, he said, but she, he says, I, he says, she, she died. I, oh, I asked. Yeah. He said, he says, I had a girlfriend and, um, and he started crying and he said, he says, but she died. She, he said they were coming from somewhere and he said, um, And I can't remember what he said happened to her, but he says, she says, she just fell down in a hot mess. She fell down in a hot mess. And that's a phrase I've heard before a few times, but he kept saying it over and over again. Yeah. And he, he was, there was tears in his eyes and he says, she just fell down in a hot mess, just fell down in a hot mess. And, um, and he says, I'm trying to get by. He says, but I really miss her. And um, and I had this picture in my mind of these two probably mentally ill people that had found a little bit of companionship for a little while. And then she died. And here's this guy covered with blisters, his feet almost gaping out of his shoes. Walk into Phoenix. And I can't remember why. I asked him, why are you going to Phoenix? And I think he said something about maybe he had a job or something. I can't remember what it was. He had some reason why he thought he would be able to get some help in Phoenix or something. Um I don't have anything to say about that other than just um and I think this is why I think about housing sometimes it's like it's like what would it take? I don't know. I don't even know if you could keep a guy like that in a house. <laughs> you know, you you know, give him a shack and you know, he'd be out on the road the next day going somewhere because he thought he needed something there, you know. Um, it's, like, it's like, you know, and I think I'm coming to more and more. It's like, I wonder if the real home is in Christ. It's like it's that old quote. There's a quote by, I think, Spencer W. Kimball. He said, you know, the world would take the people out of the slums, but Christ would enter into the people and then they'd get themselves out of the slums. You know, but there's got to be a place for them to go to, too. That's where we can make a difference, I think, is that it's like, you know, I was, I wrote a poem. I think you guys probably read it. It was when I was sending the dailies. You know, it's like, it's like some, you know, we could find ways to get out of the way. You know, that's me. That's our part. You know, it's like, it's like, um, it's like it doesn't have to be the way that it is you know, in the world of mortgages and and everything else where we make housing so hard on people who are down. But it's like, it's so strange because people like him feel like my people in a way. I relate with them so much better than I do the people who, you know, it's like, you know, who are into making you know, making their fortune at real estate or something, you know, it's like, it's like, um, and I I think, you know, I'll say this last thing and I'll pass it back, but I think I got it from my mother um, and my grandmother. My mother and my grandmother were very compassionate people. I remember as a child, My mom always noticed the downtrodden and she made me notice the downtrodden. My dad used to say that she was always helping an underdog, but I remember her pointing like seeing somebody on the street who was maybe was in a wheelchair or something and she'd point to them or she wouldn't point, but she would, You know, she would say something to me always of like, like you know, it's like, oh, look at that, Jonathan. Yeah, it looks like they, you know, they're they're quadriplegic. They lost their, you know, their ability to, you know, they must have been in an accident or something. And her heart was always towards those that um, were downtrodden. And um, so it was kind of instilled in me. The time I was little, but this whole experience I've had in the last couple of years has made me think about it more and more. Um, and if I if I could give anything to anybody who's in that position, I think what I would give is Jesus Christ. I think that's what I would give. It's like he he is our home, you know. It's like And I don't even know. It's like, what would Christ do about somebody like that guy? I don't know. All I know is that I can't figure it out. But I I have the feeling that if we could get, like Greg's always talking about getting more Jesus, I think if we could get more Jesus, all of us, we'd find a way. And I think it would probably come from the wealthy coming low. And to the helping of the of the poor, it would be like a leveling. That's what Joseph said many times, was that that was the means by which God was going to exalt the poor, was that by abasing the rich, but not in any sort of totalitarian way. It's like, I think he enters our hearts and then... He prompts us to be in specific places at specific times to help specific people. It's not a program. It's not a program. It's not a public policy. It's a personal policy, a choice to follow the promptings of the still small voice and to love and to love people. We can't do everything. We can't help every person, but there are certain people that we'll be called to to help, and that day, that particular day, I was uh, the calling was to give a guy some water, to to give him a drink of water. And um, how what would the be, world be like if we all listened? So, Quiet, Joey. I'll pass it back. If you guys have any thoughts? Looks like y'all went to the bathroom or something. Maybe I'm alone.
1: You're not alone. I'm definitely here. I just my other my other screen doesn't record well. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I uh. um. It it's hard for me to understand. I uh. I have a hard time like understanding these types of situations and. That people are in um, yeah and I never like I always want to help but I don't know what to do you know and I um, but I do know there's there's times where I know I often get um overwhelmed by life and i get a lot of i have a ton like i've told you before i have a lot of anxiety and i kind of shut down and uh and the thought that keeps coming to me these last few days is you know you just have to do the next thing or the next right thing and just the next thing and the next thing and i think of like with that with that man and, and with the water like he's like i just need water i mean like, there's probably a lot of other things he needed he needed new shoes he needed um you know he probably could use some food or something he Maybe he needed a ride unless he really liked to walk. Sounds like he needed a good hat or sunscreen. You know, and there's a lot of things that I I think I need, I guess. And then it's like, well, what do you, you know, what do I really need? Um, You know, and that's just kind of what it makes me think of is it makes me feel, it makes me feel like I have so much and I'm spoiled but it's also like it's not fair you know but then it's also like you know and you you can't say like money is not something I don't think that it's just it's not so I used to think that it was like oh you're more righteous so you have more money right yeah and that's uh (laughs) right (laughs) but you know what I'm saying like that's kind of what yeah, you're on mute, John.
2: <laughs> not ahead,
1: like, yeah, not like, not like in a bad sense, but more like I always grew up like, oh, if you I was taught, if you pay your tithing, then you're always going to have enough for your needs. Right. But what about, you know, and then it may, reminds me of the story in the New Testament with the blind man and, and the people asking Jesus, like, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was blind? And I think, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think stuff just happens. And some people have like a combination of the right personality, the right education, the right, you know, whatever, the right mental capacity, because there really is a lot of mental capacity involved in working. Um, And I don't know, work is something that is such a sensitive subject um, in my house. Like... I imagine you've been there too, Jonathan, but like working and making money is such an ingrained part of society. Like 100%. Um, But it's also so interesting too, because even with money, like even when we weren't making very much money, we always had enough, you know? And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I can't imagine homelessness. I don't like, I don't I can't picture myself ever begging on a corner, ever. Like in my life, it's not something. I don't think it's something anybody. I don't. I don't think it's something anybody plans on. That they're like, you know what? One day I'm going to take out a corner. And now that I say that, I'm like, it might be interesting one day just to try it out, just to see what it's like, and be like, hey, I'm going out here. I have no food. I have no water. What is it like sitting outside all day? Because something that I always wonder. And again, this is me coming from my um, privilege, right? This is me coming from privileged background. But like, what I don't understand is I've had people come up to me in parking lots before, like women, and ask for like food and money. And I'm always like, and to me, like usually, it's, like I've been like, there's a food pantry like a block from here, and like you can go there and get all of it. And then they just like leave. And I, what I don't understand, I guess what I'm saying is, can can they not? Can people not go get through from these kind of places? Because from my understanding is that they can I guess that's what I'm wondering. Like what what has somebody going to beg on a corner versus going to do anything? Or I guess you probably have to have an address to get government help. Do you? I guess you do. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just curious now. See, now I'm just curious. This is the kind of stuff that I'm like, I would love to have a and a with a homeless person, but like not being offenseful. And being like why can't you work you know what I'm saying but like honestly being like why can't you not saying like being not trying to be judgmental but just being like why I don't go ahead Jonathan
2: so um it's a good question and there's um there's no good answers um well actually there are some good answers to the specifics um to the big picture the, it's There's a reason why there are people who fall through the cracks because we live in a society that really tries to not let people fall through the cracks. I mean, governmentally, I would say, you know, it's like, um, well, that's not true. That's not true. Um, There are things that I think that could be done, uh, you know, society-wise. Sorry, was what was that? I'm just muting myself. Go ahead. I'm muting the
1: microphone. Keep going.
2: So, and and to be honest, like, as far as like policies go, I'm not a good person to ask. So I, I don't even really quite think that way. Um, I don't really think in terms of public, public policy. I think in terms of personal policy. Um, but even my personal policy, I've tried to pin down and I don't have one is what I've come up with. I really just do what I feel prompted to do now what i feel prompted what all of us feel prompted to do will change as our framework changes so for example like um like i i was one of those people that i often didn't stop to give money until i'd had to panhandle and then i started stopping and and i'd always give a couple dollars um but it was just cuz i'd been there you know um and and um but at the same time after i'd done that for a while i started Realizing, because like in a lot of instances, I've been around these people and it's like you realize pretty fast, like a lot of them are on drugs. It's like and I've I've availed myself of the resources when I couldn't get the things I needed. And so I know there's a food pantry right down the road. I just went to it the other day. You know what I mean? Um, But. um, So what I, what I kind of wonder is if it's like, um, so, so let me answer a couple of you, frankly, with a couple of the things, the first answer I'd say is you're talking about like, um, why does someone end up there? Um, and the answer is that there's, there's many different reasons. And I think that the simple answer is that one is, is mental illness. Um, and there's quite a bit of it, uh, on the streets. Um, number two is, and I, and I get that because I think I've been mentally ill. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that the reason I ended up panhandling is psychosomatic. It's like, there was something messed up in me and I don't know if it's ever been fixed. It's just so happened that the last two jobs I've had, I actually figured out I could actually do, you know, it was like, Whoa, I can actually do this. Um, and I don't end up, you know, having getting sick or having all these problems and and so um so mental illness is one. Another one is um is is drugs and substance abuse. And so, you know, the people who say, you know, well, those people are just gonna use it on drugs, they're totally right. Like a big percentage, it's like the reason, and I've had I've had drug addicts tell me, um, yeah, well, like panhandling's the way to go because you know, if you, if you get cash, you can spend it on, you know, you can spend it on food. If you want, you can spend it on drugs. You can spend it on, um, you know, it gives you freedom. Money gives you actual freedom to do what you want to do. And so it, it, that's the reason why they panhandle. Um, and so the end of all that is that it's like, it leads you to a place where there's not a really good answer. And I. that's why I kind of wonder if maybe I went through this for a future time because it's like the time is coming, the time will come sooner or later where it's not going to be the drug addict on the corner. It's going to be your neighbor. It's like, and that, I'm not saying that, you know, Greg thinks 2024, I don't know. It, I, I'm hoping it's a lot further than that. That's what I hope. But like, the truth is, is that all civilizations fall. It is the rule. What comes up goes down. You know, all economies fail. All economies fail. Doesn't matter whether it's the next five years or the next 50 years. It's like there are economic downfalls. Um, And much of it comes because of greed. We look at the last one, 2008, the recession. It was because people were doing, you know, colluding to You know, there's, they've made movies about it and they're kind of interesting. Um, But uh, the time will come. And so maybe my message is for then, but, um, but there's, uh, there's something else. And that is that it's like, I don't know how to put this, but it's like, there's something deeper. And that's, that's the problem is that it's like, it's like, it's the whole way that we think about everything we think about everything in terms of money like if i own a farm what's it about well there's a good chance it's not about food now there's a lot of like organic farmers now who like they really want to see the planet be better right so like i'm going to be a farmer because i want to make a difference for the planet or then there's a few people who'll who'll grow food because um because they they want to feed people, but um, but there's no good answer. The only thing, the only answer that I've come to is that there are specific times where I am supposed to help specific people, and I don't worry about everybody. It's like I do what I feel prompted to do. I I desire, I have a desire that I turn heavenward. And that desire is to help people in need. But the one thing to know, though, I think for somebody who's kind of like, well, I don't know if I should give, it's like, I can promise you that there's a good chance that the person you give to will not deserve it. It's like, that's the thing to know. It's like you don't get into a position where, you know, you don't know where the next meal's coming from by doing everything right. You get into that position because you've done things wrong. And so, so it's like, you just have to realize it's like, it's like, I've, I'll say this last thing and then I'll pass it back. But I just, I've had, I've encountered people who it's like, they have absolutely no impulse control. Okay. None. You give them a dollar, you know, and. They, it'll be gone tomorrow. One of the things that shifted with me is that was one of my problems. Like it's only been lately that I began to put money aside and I've realized how important it is to financial security. It's like, God had me experience something that like shifted that in me. And there's people that it's like, you know, they can get a $600 social security check. They can get a thing and it will be gone tomorrow on candy. If it's not on drugs, it's on candy. It's on goodies. It's on this, it's on that, You know, because, you know, like that thing that like when a child is young that you teach them to to do that stuff, like that got missed. And so, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, they're going to be starving tomorrow because they spent everything on, you know, something they shouldn't. And the question is, is it's like it's like sometimes what God wants is. Is it's like, well, yeah, they they spent all their money on things they shouldn't spend it on. And yeah, they went to the food bank. I've seen this happen. They went to the food bank and they got all the food and they gave it away to all their homeless friends the next day, you know. Oh, and they do drugs now and then. So that's a real problem for them, you know. But they really are in a position sometimes when they when they put out their hand that it's like, well, yeah, I will starve because I I don't have that thing inside of me that you know, and it's like it's like, well, what do you do about that? And the only answer I have is is that I don't have a good answer. It's like, but I know that I know that um I've often felt good when I've helped somebody even when they didn't deserve it. But usually it it comes with promptings and stuff. I'm gonna pass it back, but I think the answer is I don't have a good answer.
1: Yeah, I well, know we're about done with time, but what it reminds me of is um, you know, the, the whole scripture, are we not all big ears before God? Do we deserve the help from Jesus? And the answer is, well, no. <laughs> like really? You know, we're always falling short. And that just reminds me exactly of that scripture. Like, are we deserving? No, we're not deserving. And so when it comes when I in those situations when I've chosen to give, I've chosen to do some different things. Like I'll do like a grocery store gift card. I used to keep those on hand in my car. Just like, so like, if I wasn't giving money, I was giving a gift card, you know, to like, then go get groceries. I mean, yeah, they could buy cigarettes and alcohol, um, but I don't know, yeah, you know. And the other thing I had to come to in my head was, I just had to come to the point where I'm like, kind of like, and this sounds bad, but kind of like paying tithing to a big organization. Once that money leaves your hands, you have no control over what they do with it. And you have to be okay with that. If you're giving money, or food or whatever, you can't continue, Can like I can't continue to say, here's this money, but you can only use it for this, 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 and this. And I guess I could say that, but they don't have to listen. You know, and I mean, it's like the same thing when you work a job and you get money, it's not like your employer is like, you can only use this much for your housing, this much for gas you know and it's not like that that's not how money works and that's not how giving works you can't and that's where i'm saying again like trying to let go of that control it's the whole idea and god has to do that with us too it's not like he was saying like he's like you got to come he's like you can come to earth but you will only physically and mentally and emotionally be capable of doing x y and z you know like he had to be like you have to have the freedom to do and to make those mistakes and to get yourself into these I can't tell you how many situations I've gotten myself into. For example, the the thorn in my hand, right? The the thing in my hand I had to have surgery on now, you can kind of see it there. This was really expensive surgery. And well how did I get it? I got a sliver in my hand. It wasn't anything great, it wasn't dumb, and it wasn't like, yeah, I want to get a sliver in my hand. But it's just it's just life happens. You know, and I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is I think that's where it all comes back to Jesus and to listening to, um you know, the Holy Spirit within inside of us. Um, you know, give when you feel like giving and not when you don't. I used to, like I told you, I used to give my paintings away to everybody. I used to just, when I started these, I would just give them away, all of them. And, but what I found is then people didn't care. But whereas if they bought it, then they cared. And it was a, so there, there's something to do with, I think, having to work for things that I think is really important, but I really appreciate your your insight, and I'm looking forward to more, um, and it actually makes me feel kind of better sometimes, because growing up, my family was always like, you don't give to them because they're just going to buy drugs, but you're like, well, and the people I know in those kind of situations, they really do just buy drugs, like the family that I have in one of those situations, like they are an addict, and they take care of their family, and and I just get mad because the people I know that some of them, they're like, I'm still a really good parent, but I haven't taken care of my kids for 10 years and my kids are floating around, you know, and, and it's hard. Um, but the, the difference why they can't take care of them though, is because they're an addict and they're, you know what I'm saying? There's a difference. They're homeless on the street as an addict. Like they are, you know, and then, and then they come back every once in a while and they're like, look, I'm amazing. And they're like, we love you so much. And so I, I, I don't know. I shouldn't go down that path. There's so many situations that we don't know. And I know we're all from different backgrounds and we don't, there's always more to the story. And yeah, I think that's it. There's always more to the story. Yeah. Go ahead, Jonathan.
2: I'll make this kind of quick. I, I, um, but I, I, I realized, you know, as I was saying all that, it was like, I, um, I, I don't think that I have much to say about homelessness and, about the people on the corner, you know, like, like, to be honest, I like, I don't think I do. It's like, it's like, and, and I've, I, as you were talking, it made me think, it's like, well, what am I really saying? I was like, I don't know. I just had this experience. Right. And it's like, and God was in it. Like, I, I just, I just, I, I know he was with me through it and I, I learned a bunch of things and it's, it's, it was monumental. And, um, I lost the train of thought but it was it was basically just that that um that I think I think where this will go is a different direction because there's no good answer to the stuff we're talking about it's like it's like but um but I kind of wonder like we live in a society today where the responsibility has all been taken off of us used to be if you saw somebody on the side of the road broken down, you know, a lot of times you'd stop and help. But now that we have cell phones and insurance, the, the, my response often in my mind is they're okay. They've got, you know, they're probably calling, you know, roadside assistance right now. And it's like, but at the point where our civilization begins to crumble, what we'll discover is this will become very real and are we going to love one another it's like right now it's like are you going are you going to give money to the drug addict it's you know just pray about it i don't have a good answer you know but like there is coming a time when you know it's going to be the rubber's going to really hit the road i think that's the last thing i just wanted to say is that it's like this maybe maybe everything i went through was for something that's coming because um it's like It's like our whole society has to change. If we're entering into the millennium, I promise you it's going to be different. The way we handle food, the way we handle sharing, the way we handle housing. It's like, because what we've done has not worked. I think that's the bigger message is it's like this Babylon's way. We're going to find out real soon that this was like, like it didn't work. (laughs) Anyways, I'll I'll leave that my closing thought for the day. I don't know. I think Greg might have left us, but. I'm almost
1: done with this painting. I'm going to show where we're at. Oh, good job. And um, this is kind of where I got to. I've got pretty close. I've just I'm stuck, so I didn't, like, really get out paint and stuff much. (laughs) I was just, like, sanding and carving, so I'm kind of stuck in a couple areas. I don't know. I've got to do something over here, but I don't know.
2: It's good.
1: Kind of where I'm at, you know, just looking up and just keep layering and removing. And you just keep going. Right? Oh, yeah. And this is what my son and my husband worked on he wants me to show this but yeah we will talk to you all later and uh thank you for sharing i don't know where greg went he's gone he gone all right bye okay